Welcome to the Be Ruthless Show, where we have the conversations that other people don't, the conversations that other people won't. I'm your host, Sam Ruth, and I'm ready to make a lot of noise and disrupt things ruthlessly. Thanks for being here today. Now let's get to it. Welcome back to the Be Ruthless Show. I'm your host, Sam Ruth, and joining me today all the way from the UK is Shanice Green. She is a transformational and empowerment mindset coach and disability advocate. Thank you so much for being here. This is such an important conversation. Thank you so much for having me. What, how did you become so passionate about advocating and sharing your story? Well, basically I am in a wheelchair um I have been since I was 10 um I went through lots and lots of surgeries as a child from the age of seven to ten I had 11 operations on my brain and my spinal cord and I just felt there wasn't enough out there um people like me maybe you know that have been through quite a bit and come into the stage where you accept it and you use your less of ability basically to help others absolutely and there is not enough conversation attention devoted to how we can support people struggling with disabilities, whether it's physical or emotional. I totally, totally agree with you. That's, I can't imagine that many surgeries in my life, but in such a fragile age range, uh, what support did the, did you have did they understand how traumatic that could be on a child and what, what was available for you to talk through that and, and get through that? I had my family and um, my family absolutely amazing and helped push me through it. Um, but there wasn't enough out there. Like for example, nowadays you have Facebook groups um, regarding certain health conditions but back then there wasn't. And I remember my mum basically just printed off a piece of paper of what I had wrong with me, basically. And that was it. We It was just seeing how it goes, seeing how my pain is each day and just going with how I feel because we didn't know anything else. There wasn't information out there. Now, I will say that that is a, a gift I didn't learn until far too late in life to pay attention to how I feel and my pain level and those things that you said. Uh, that's an amazing skill that she taught you both. Oh, definitely. I, I believe that it made us both grow. Um, and I... Honestly, I say to my mum all the time that, yes, we went through all this not very nice stuff, but she's a much stronger person now than what she would have, what she was, say, when I was a child, like young child. 
Right. You know, and people, I don't know her response when you say that, but she, she didn't have a choice. You know, when we go through a trauma, we don't have a choice. We have to get through it to the rest of the world. We look brave and strong and we're just, we're just figuring it out along the way. Definitely. Definitely. My mom ended up having a bald patch at the back of her head. Um, and she couldn't work out what it was. And it was literally just down to stress because she didn't have time to cry. She didn't have time to think, oh, why me? Why my child? She just had to carry on because I was in and out of hospital every six to eight months. There was no breathing space. What does that do for making friends, for participating in growing up activities and life? I think for me personally, my mum was really worried for me. Um, and there wasn't no, I don't know, maybe groups that a child could go to with just a physical disability. You either had groups for people that were able-bodied or groups for people that had mental disabilities but there was no in-between and I didn't fit in anywhere. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, I had, I was already at the school that I was at. So they already knew the Shanice. They already knew Shanice beforehand. It was when I went to say high school, um, I believe that's what you call it. <laughs> um, that's when people started to look at me differently. The students? The staff? Yeah, yeah, the, mainly the students as well because they didn't know how to interact with me. I'm, I'm absolutely fine. I'm, if anything, I am very talkative and I'm an open book. And if you've got a question to ask me, I will answer it. But I feel that they decided to presume, if that makes sense, Oh, that, that, that it must be that that's wrong with her but rather than asking me I will tell you I'm pretty open I would rather I explain to people what's gone on in my life than for people to presume because they'll probably get it wrong or to educate them right and I feel the same way you know whether it's uncomfortable whether you aren't sure what to ask or how to say it. I personally would rather have the conversations than have people imagining and figuring it out on their own incorrectly or pointing or whispering and just staying uninformed. That's the bottom line is that unless we ask and discuss, we continue to have misperceptions and misunderstandings. Definitely, definitely. And I find that growing up with this, it's actually adults or older children that seem to make their own decision on you and stare. I remember as a child when I got into a wheelchair and my mum used to push me and people used to, adults used to ask my mum, oh, how is she? And my mum used to go, she's got a mouth. Talk to her yourself you know she can talk she will express herself I'm not going to tell you that I'm in absolute agony I'm gonna say I'm okay thank you because I'm polite 
What if you are in agony? W- would you tell someone now? Would you be able to express that rather than suffering silently? To my mum or to my family, I do, but I'm in chronic pain 24-7 and it just gets boring saying it. It, it does. And I will talk to, of course, like doctors, etc. Um, but I feel that not many people understand. So if I just go, oh, yeah, I'm okay, but I'm in pain, they'll go, well, you look fine, mm-hmm. you know. So actually, maybe you're just playing about. And I find that having someone think that is worse for me than me just saying, yeah, I'm fine. I'm thinking back to Thanksgiving last week and a situation that was emotional, but someone was struggling to the point that it was visible to everyone else. And therefore conversations naturally just had to happen. You know, you're, you're human, you see something. And I think it was the same type of a thing. I think someone was sitting there trying so hard to battle it silently and the end result the, through that day and the day after, such amazing conversations were had and people came together to say, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to say, but we're here and we want to help figure it out. And people really do just see us externally and think we're fine. Definitely. And I think that's also with mental health as well. I think people think that you know, because you look fine, you clearly are fine, but you have no idea what someone's going through. And I think that's also, um, well, you know, they do say, don't they, don't judge a book by its cover. And as humans, a lot of people do that. And it's, these are uncomfortable conversations and they're difficult. And that's why I think I'm so passionate and, and you sound the same way about starting those conversations, leading the way and showing others that you'll get through it. You'll feel stronger. You'll get closer to the people who matter. And not everyone responds great, but you find the people who do and you you get deeper with them. And it opens the door for a level of connection that we all look for in this world. Definitely, 100%, I completely agree with you. And I think, like, you have no idea, anyone, no one does, by just giving some, by just smiling at someone or just saying good morning to someone, how it can change their their day. And absolutely, and I mean, so many people don't even stop to make eye contact, let alone smile. So even just paying attention and being mindful to how we're going through the day and how we're, you know, are we looking down at our phone? Are we, you know, head in the clouds? My head is going a million miles a minute with what to do next. And we miss out on those moments. Definitely, definitely. We don't, We do not, as humans, take time for ourselves and actually become present throughout the day. It literally takes two minutes just to stop and think and go, oh, how am I feeling right now? How can I change this? What am I grateful for? 
we don't do it. We just carry on in this busy, busy life. And I know, especially for me, as a child, I've just thought about it now. Um, I used to, my mum used to push my wheelchair and I used to look down at my feet or look straight ahead. I wouldn't look at my surroundings because I felt that was safer for me and for my mental health than to look and see people staring at me. That's so interesting. At what point do you think you realized you were doing that? I think I always knew I, I was. And it was it was just my safe space, if that makes sense, that kept me going. Um, but I know that it used to get on my mum's nerves quite a bit with people staring. And if I just carried on I ignored the outside world then my mum wouldn't feel as stressed and maybe possibly not say as many comments to people and say actually what are you actually looking at do you know what I mean um, but yeah we're observant as, as as humans we're observant but there is a right and a wrong way to do things and it's so interesting that you said it was older teenagers and adults you're right kids will run up and ask something they might ask it the wrong way I can remember pointing and saying you know mom dad what's that inappropriate but it's better than not discussing it and so we have to find that way to help others know that asking the questions even if you don't know what to say you can say I'm curious and I don't know what's inappropriate. Can we discuss your anxiety, Sam? And I would rather help bridge that gap than have you walk away wondering. So to those listening who feel like you do want to make those steps, you do want to have conversations, but you don't know what to say, you can simply acknowledge that. I totally agree with you. And going back to what you were saying about children it's true because children don't don't even see color children don't see color at all they don't see different races they just see another human and i think that's really important because and it's kind of sad because as as adults and teenagers we see all that and how can we see that and think, you know, oh, they're different to us, but a child doesn't, a, a children don't. I remember my child, I think it was, I'm mixed race and, <clears throat> sorry, um, I think it was last year, my son came home, my son's eight and said, oh, I'm a different colour to his sister, to, to my daughter, because my daughter's fairer than what he is. And I was just like, yeah, you are, baby, you are. So clearly they were talking about that in school, that there are different races and you are a different colour or shade to other people. Absolutely. It, kind of upset, it upset me I'm not gonna lie it did upset me because let children be children you know 
It is so true. And, and if we're there to shape the conversation in a healthy way, that's great. But if we're not, they're hearing things from all different places and sources rather than forming their own opinions. We lose, you know, as kids, we have our own ideas and we believe everything until the world tells us not to and the world starts shaping things. So I actually, I'm remembering running up to someone. I don't remember if it was a cane or a walker, but I pointed and the person did not respond negatively. We had a conversation. I was young. And so even questions asked that are not politically correct can have positive outcomes. So find that child in you and, and think about what you want to know and what you want to learn and what you want other people to know that they can't see about you because everyone is walking around with something and we are more than what we show others. What, how do you advocate? Is this something you now walk around kind of like me making a point to ruffle feathers and make noise and, and help others understand? I'm definitely trying to, trying to get my story out there as well because I feel that people seem to just think well she's just in a wheelchair she's just in a wheelchair well she's not just in a wheelchair and actually there is people with my neurological conditions that are able-bodied and they look absolutely fine and it just shows that disabilities come in all different shapes and sizes not everyone that's disabled is in a wheelchair and I think that that's how people perceive it you know you have a we call it over here a blue badge a disabled badge when you're driving you park up and the, the amount of people that get out of their cars and they look absolutely fine and the stares that they get I'm just it's just crazy it's just just because they're not in a wheelchair doesn't mean they're not disabled absolutely I was having this conversation at the airport about service dogs and uh there was a, a service dog whose job was to predict and prevent seizures or to elevate legs and get its owner on its side if there was a seizure and you would not know that and people uh, just assume, you know, people want to bring their pets everywhere for fun. And there's a reason and there's a job that they're doing and disability can look like anything. And so if we don't discuss it, again, I, I don't love the word disability because I truly, everyone I know with some sort of challenge or limitation mm -hmm. sees it as their strength once they accept and learn how to live life with rather than resisting and it can be your gift just like you said Shanice of how you help others definitely definitely and that's that's what society has labeled us us as you know you have disabled people you have able-bodied people you have black people you have white people you have Asian people we're all just human we're all just people and I hope that there even if it's just one person even if it's just one person that 
we can help it's a ripple effect it's absolutely a ripple effect because anyone who is still looking at their feet looking down at their shoes avoiding those connections feeling that that shame and that stigma if one person recognizes that you're not alone that even if we're dealing with something different the feelings that go along with it are similar and and you recognize that staying silent and letting other people dictate the narrative hurts more and you don't have to tell the world you don't have to go on a podcast or write a book or scream from a stage but you can start living in a way that you aren't hiding I totally agree with you I 100% agree with you and you know this is why as well that in the future I want to work with children as well because I believe that if we can start them young by even something so little as maybe giving gratitude every day looking at the world in a different light where we where will we be in 20 years time there has to be a cut-off point there has to be a cut we, we need change and I believe that there's no right or wrong time to change but it needs to start now absolutely and it is the adults I've shared this story before but it's never shared enough my nieces are nine and 12 about to be 13 and 10 and they lost a relative on their mom's side um and my brother instructed me not to reach like not to check in on them or not to not to bring it up and that goes against my nature it's not who I am it's not what I believe but when I eventually saw them like a few weeks or a month later they were approaching me with so many stories and questions and things they wanted to discuss about him and tell me this stuffed animal that he gave them that they sleep with because they know I do have those conversations and it wasn't them that didn't want to discuss it. It was the parents. Yeah, I, I totally, totally agree. And it's not, I'm not going to say that it's a bad way of doing things because everyone, parents act differently. You know, I, back from when I, going back to when I was younger, um, my mum was brought up um, by her dad by my granddad as a single parent and men and women they are they do tend to be different you know my granddad is um well was a um Jamaican man um very headstrong and wouldn't didn't really like emotion if that makes sense you know, he would listen to what you have to say and what you're going through. But once it got to the stage where you you started crying, that was it. You wasn't really allowed to cry, you know. And my mum was the same with me and my sister growing up, that you can cry for a few minutes and then now we're done. Now let's move on. Let's carry on. And I don't think that was a bad way of getting me through my surgeries I think it made me stronger however 
I know if I went through that with my children, God forbid, that I would do it a little bit differently. Um, and my children know that if you want to cry, cry. If you want to let it out, let it out. And now my mum is now the same, but she wasn't then. It was yeah. just her coping mechanism. It's amazing how being ourselves and letting others be themselves around us also has that ripple effect. Definitely. I totally agree with you. Like my children every day, they will say five things they're grateful for. They will do their affirmations and it's just the way of the routine. And I like to other people who might look, oh, it's just one of them things. But I know that it's going to help shape them into even bigger, beautiful human beings. I, lo I love that. I had someone on who's a friend who teaches, I forgot what grade, but she has meditation in the beginning of the class. And these are things that I did not do until my 40s that now I will not go a day without. And I laughed them off. I mocked them, you know, the woo woo, what it was just not for me. And it truly has calming benefits, especially for me with anxiety. And the fact that you're teaching them at a young age gives them such tools that the world really doesn't talk about or acknowledge in a positive way that there is a lot of stigma even around you know the self-care in certain ways and everybody looks at it differently but i'm telling you what if 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 it works i don't really care what they call it <laughs> oh i totally agree with you i totally agree with you i've been told that you know i'm lazy because you know i take maybe an hour out of my time to meditate to do my gratitude to and I'm not full-on work mode but that's because I find that helps me throughout the day and whatever works works right absolutely it helps it not only helps me throughout the day with those things it helps me um kind of stay level Things that would upset me or frazzle me more, like just going to my breathing and going to gratitude. Other people can laugh, but it really can help me calm down and help me from spiraling in my own little anxiety loop. Definitely, definitely. I remember when I first started um, with my children, um, they don't do it every night like, like they used to because of like busy and they've got clubs and you know, but at least three times a week, they'll do yoga before bed. And I remember like someone going to me, oh, why are they doing that? But that's to calm them down. That's to bring them into the present and keep them grounded. And they enjoy it. As long as they enjoy it, that I'm going to carry on with it. You know, they, my son would do meditations with me, my daughter, not so much. But I know that there's different ways to become mindful, to become present, and she does it differently. That, yes, it doesn't have to look the same. And I'll speak to that because I <laughs> am the one who raised my hand to get help with meditation because I thought I was doing it wrong. So 
it's, it's whatever works for you. It doesn't have to be eyes closed. It can be whatever, you know, for, for some, it can be coloring and just getting to a quiet place. But my hiccup, my hang up was that I thought it looked the way I had seen it, you know, in, in a movie or something, I had this preconceived idea. And like you said, if it works, it works and it doesn't really matter what it looks like or what we call it oh definitely definitely I um remember when I first started meditating I was like I'm doing it wrong like it doesn't um, I don't I don't think I'm doing it correctly you know everyone else just seems to you know just look all relaxed and all calm and I'm like I'm not feeling it until it was probably it took me a good couple of months and I was just like I do things differently in general, you know. I was in a magazine and um, I was actually on um, like a news report um, in America, actually. And because I lost the use of my left hand and I had to learn to do my daughter's hair with my right hand and basically my mouth you know but that just shows that we do things differently it still worked we I may have done it differently I may clean my house differently to other people I may cook food differently to other people but as long as it's done it doesn't matter the way you do it as long as you're comfortable with it who's to tell us that we're doing it wrong exactly and I want to go back. I know we're talking about kids and your kids and they they will be home at a certain point. So we have to squeeze this in before they get here. But we talked about your original, the school that you had been going to and they were aware and supportive. And then you went to high school and people started treating you differently. Here you are now married with children. Are you married? I was married. I'm actually going for a divorce, but I actually am. Um, with someone we're engaged and he's actually from America um so possibly in the next couple of years I may be moving over there but you know look at that. no one else so, knew but <laughs> how did that transition when did it when did people start how did that happen how did you go from high school where people were kind of shying away from you to interacting and getting married and having kids actually go I'm just thinking about it now I'm going back now so not everyone would look at me differently after a while they would realize I'm actually the same as them but I found as well I got along more with boys than I did girls I felt that girls were more looking down at you whereas boys would have a conversation with me do you know what I mean and then after a while maybe a a, a girl would start interacting as well and it's kind of like well she is normal she's fine she's she's there's nothing wrong with her she will have a conversation with you she just looks a little bit different like you do because I'm sure your maybe your nose is different to someone else's nose that doesn't mean you're different like bad way it just means that you're all individual. And I think that's what makes the world an amazing place. 
So it was just people seeing others interact with you and reaching their own level of comfort. Yeah, I think that's it. I think it's also down to people being scared to know what to say. Um, because I presume there is people out there, of course there is people out there that, you know, you will interact with and they will be completely rude to you because you don't know how to interact with them. Mm -hmm. But I'm very much an open book and I will explain to you if you're doing it, you know, if, you know, other people would find that offensive. I don't, I'm not really an offensive kind of person. Um, but looking in a different light, I think that's important. I could have looked at it and gone, well, people are just being really horrible to me because, you know, they're staring at me and then they don't want to talk to me. Whereas the way that I was brought up and the way that I've noticed throughout the years was that actually they're probably just a little bit scared. Not all of them. Some of them were, were probably horrible. But a lot of them were probably just scared and didn't know how to interact with me. Absolutely. And my parents you know, did plenty of things well. And, and I don't know, I don't remember them sitting me and my brother down and consciously teaching us to be kind to everyone, but we both always, it didn't matter if you were red, purple, wheelchair, crutches, brown hair, blonde hair, we approached anyone always. And so thank you to parents out there who do give those messages in whatever ways you do because it it does help others follow suit. And it only takes one person coming to sit with somebody who's sitting alone to give that person company and give that person a conversation and for others to see that happening. So I wish I could give a, a tip of what my parents did that worked, but I know that my brother and I always befriended, especially the people who others were not. I totally agree with you. It was the same with me and my sister as well. So going back and um, to when I then met my children's dad, basically it was online. It was online chat room. Um, it didn't go completely to plan because he lied about his age. Um, and however, my parents were going through a breakup and I need to get out. I felt in myself, mentally, I had to get out. So I went to live with him. Um, we now have two children. Um, there was some mental and emotional abuse. I'm not going to say it was perfect. There was a few physical times that, you know, he hit me. Um, but I believe it shaped me into the person I am today. And I, I'm actually grateful for the things that I went through because then I wouldn't have my babies who I absolutely adore and they've just shaped me into a better person completely. My dad gets so furious when I say that, looking back at some of the silly things I did and I say, you know what? I wouldn't change it because it makes me who I am, but it's so true and they sound wonderful. How old? is your daughter I forgot my daughter's 10 and my son is eight what fun ages how can people connect with you if they want to learn more or just reach out what how do people find you so you can even find me on my even my website is will empower coaching 
com and will spell as in wheelchair w-h-e-e-l um i'm on instagram at shanice will empower facebook is will empower coaching um but also on monday i will be having a free five-day mindset workshop over on facebook so if you message me then i can send you the link for that as well oh that sounds amazing we'll put all of that in the show notes and i hadn't put that together i'm sitting here staring at your logo and i see the wheel w-h-e-e-l and i hadn't made that connection that's amazing wheel empower we will put all of that in the notes so you can connect with Shanice and be a part of that challenge. And if you're listening to the replay, you can still connect. I'm sure she'll be doing another one or have a way to send you one that already happened. Any final thoughts, words for people listening, Shanice? I just want to say that there's so much I can say, but most importantly, nobody is perfect, but you are perfectly yourself. No one does you better than you. People can be jealous of you and try to act like you, but no one's going to do you better than you. So even if shite arises through your life, remember that you are perfect just the way you are. And even if you step back for five minutes and just acknowledge your surroundings and say, do you know what? Five things I'm grateful for. I say this to my clients all the time put an alarm on your phone for like every four to five hours and just reflect and say okay how am I feeling right now what five things am I grateful for it literally takes two minutes but it can completely shape your your day and make it more positive it absolutely shapes your day and we we live in a world that can focus on negative and even just somebody was saying, I hope so-and-so doesn't come in a bad mood. And I said, don't even put that out in the universe. Just say so-and-so is going to join us and be in an amazing mood. And we, we don't realize that the words that we say have power and the way we frame it and look at it. So I love that you said that absolutely no one is perfect, but you are perfect the way you are. And we live in this world that judges and criticizes and compares. And so I love that. And again, thank you so much for being so open. There are not enough people having these conversations. So thank you for your time and your story. And until next time, everyone, always be ruthless. Thanks so much for listening today. Your support means everything to me, truly. If this podcast resonates with you, please do me a favor and join in the ruthless movement by making some noise and doing one of these four things. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Tell a friend so we can break stigmas even faster. Leave a review so people can see what you think of the show. And last, if you want to learn more about me and be a part of the Grief Hub community, please head on over to the Facebook group. We'd love to have you. Thanks again for spending your time with us and see you next week.